The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Michter's American Whiskies and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. Woo! Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show, everybody. Hey, Fred here. I hope you're having a great week. I am. I know that. I'm having a great week. I'm just uh, enjoying life, having good whiskey with good friends, and sending out stickers to folks. That's right. I've been sending out so many stickers, I had to reorder, get new stamps, but... It's important to me that if you like this show, if you love listening to The Fred Minnick Show, I want to make sure that you have a sticker to put on your computer, on your car, your trash can, wherever you want to put it. Please, 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 just do not use it in criminal activity. Because here's the thing, if you use it in a criminal activity and they can't identify you and the only thing that they can see on your person or whatever it is that you're using and it's the Fred Minnick Show sticker, the FBI, the cops, whoever, if you robbed a bank, they're going to call me. And then somehow I'm going to be held accountable, and then the people who uh, are caught up in the whole mess are going to be like, well, you know, this person's, you know, you know, using a Fred Minnick Show sticker, so that must mean we can sue him, right? Right, right? <laughs> I kid, I kid. But if you'd like a sticker, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. And, um, yeah. Get your sticker. We'll send you one. Now, when you do write us, make sure you put in your address. That's important. So this week's guest uh, is someone I've been a huge fan of basically my entire adult life. So 15 on, which, you know, 15 is not an adult. But, you know, Our Lady Peace is one of those bands that just, you know, you know these songs and you hear them time after time and, you um, in playlists and things that are remembering the 1990s when I grew up. And so getting to talk to the lead singer of Our Lady Peace, Rain Maida, was kind of special for me. It was a good opportunity to kind of relive a little bit of my youth. But we also got to explore something that I did not see coming. See, Rain is a really philanthropic, big-hearted person, and he spent uh, some time in Iraq. And so we talked a little bit about what it was like to be in Iraq, both of us from an angle that you will not see coming. I promise you. It's toward the end, so make sure you listen to the whole interview. But it was a fascinating, fascinating story that we shared. And anybody who's been to Iraq, you probably experienced this too, and it'll warm your heart to hear it. It's not a it's not a war-torn story. It's, it's, it's a heartfelt story. So make sure you listen to that. Um, but uh, this week is... Also, the week that we're trying to close out the Ronald McDonald, uh, Pappy Van Winkle raffle. So if you can, if you have $100 to spare and you want to get a chance to win five bottles of Pappy Van Winkle, head on over to pappyraffle.org. That's pappyraffle.org. And your money will go to a good cause. And the chances are that you have a better shot at winning this than you actually do finding a bottle at SRP in a liquor store. So think about that for a little bit. Think about that. At any rate, enjoy this week's episode with Rain Maida. But first, a word from our sponsors. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, 
to heat cycling our barrel houses to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Mike Hines here, founder of Nashville Barrel Company. Hey, look, I invested my life savings into drinking bourbon, and damn it, I want to drink a bourbon with you. Come see me at Nashville Barrel Company, just minutes from downtown Nashville. Must be 21 dinner. People want a great whiskey that isn't like every other whiskey. So nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak, 291 Colorado whiskey is distilled from grain to barrel to bottle. Exceptional Western whiskey, unlike any other. Passion permeates every sip. Utilizing grains from the Colorado Plains, water collected from Pikes Peak Reservoirs, and finished with Aspen Staves, 291 Colorado Whiskey is an award-winning single barrel and small batch whiskey. Hard made the Colorado way. Our recipe, our stills, independent and always rugged, refined, and rebellious. 291 Colorado Whiskey is proud of its humble roots and excited as we expand to new frontiers. Get your taste of Colorado at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Online orders available or find a bottle near you. Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. Joining the Fred Minnick Show, Rain Mina of Our Lady Peace. How you doing, man? I'm good, Fred. How are you? It's good. It's good to see you in this. Uh, it, oh, it's always better if it's in person, but these these virtual uh, tastings are are as much fun. But I have to tell you, you your your latest single uh, resonated so deeply with me because I've been I've been saying this since the Kardashians came uh, became famous. But the stop making stupid people famous. Best name of a song ever. Best name of a song ever. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I. it's funny. The Kardashians, I like, I've followed the breadcrumbs back a little bit further. Like, my, my like, aha moment was uh, probably Paris Hilton. But then, you know, growing up, it's like Public Enemies, like seminal hip-hop band. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, Flavor Flav is on that VH1 reality show. I was like, we hit the bottom, man. But obviously we didn't. That was just the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I always thought Paris, though, was strategic, and everything that she was doing was was a play to make more money because she, like, she she got really – she used her fame and her money to get more famous and more money, and then she kind of disappeared. We're seeing her a little bit now, but she kind of went away for a bit. You're right. You're you're spot on, man. She's smart. Like she was, she's first in this NFT space. Like she's killing it. She's 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 uh, she's a smart lady. Uh, all right. So I was gonna bring up NFTs eventually, but what what's the deal with these things? Half half the people I talk to, you know, you try to explain it to them, and it's like their eyes gloss over, and they have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one, right? But I think it's just early. I, I think like the art world got in it, and they get it. And like mm-hmm. anyone that's in the metaverse already in collectibles, like they're killing it and they're and they're collecting things and you're seeing like things like board apes just jumped. You know, I think of board ape, which is basically just, you know, 
uh, an original one one of one ape that you can buy. It's a digital asset. That I think one sold for two million a few days ago. But music will catch up. I think I think I think I think what it'll be used for eventually is like everything in terms of like I know the I'm Italian. Got a lot of friends like in olive oil, right? Sounds pretty godfatherish, but it's true. Like that stuff is all fake. I'm sure whiskey as well and bourbon and scotch. Like, are are we drinking the real stuff or is like is there some some shady stuff going on in that industry too? If you can add NFTs to that to to sneakers, like anything to prove its authenticity and ownership and authorship. When you talk to, to about music and art, that's the that's the trick and the benefit of a blockchain, right? Yeah, and you know when it comes to whiskey, there definitely is a lot of counterfeit out there, and there's it's real nasty. Uh, but um, it's bourbon. It, it's kind of new to bourbon. It's been happening in Scotch for a long time, definitely in cognac for a long time. But right. but bourbon has never had this kind of like uh, fame. You know, in the, in the modern world, fame is so different too. Um, it's like a, an influencer can can bring you millions of fans immediately and what we're seeing now with with bourbon is is that there's so many people getting into the space that they're just spending stupid money on a bottle that you know 15 years ago i would pay 20 bucks for now they're paying 500 for it you know so well if i buy that 500 bottle i want to make sure that that's the real deal and i think that's that's where nfts and blockchain can definitely help. I mean, you see, you know, olive oil, the like that. You know, I'm from Toronto originally. Mm-hmm. The worst is actually maple syrup. Supposedly, like, you know, the stuff we're really buying is it's it's not even close to like pure maple syrup these days. Yeah, I I believe that. So actually, you know, so the bottle I sent you a bottle of Michter's ten year old. This would be a good, this would be a really good bottle to kind of go through. Of like, you know, this is a high end bottle. Uh, and this is how they, you know, kind of come. They have like a wax. They have a, like a wax top here. Uh, they've got the, you know, some some numbers here to talk about what barrel it was, and then a few other things. You know, it would it would not be, you know, how oh could God. how could you use an NFT to like help validate this? Like, how how could you do that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's 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 really. You know, you, you're just imprinted on the bottle and you put a hash on it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as it was like that, that I just pulled that thing off, like the wax. That is, that's so dope. Um, you know, at bottling, if you put that hash on it, all of a sudden, that's it, you know? And so wherever that gets sold, it has that authentication. It has that authorship that it's actually from the, from Michter's. And um, I open it and I'm going to probably drink a lot of this today but um if i was going to sell it you know like five years from now it's going to have that hash along with it and it just about it's just validation right okay. you can't mess- so that could be that could be something that you know bourbon producers if you're listening to this it's uh you know rain's throwing the gauntlet down here maybe you add some nfts to the bottles that could be it could be an interesting uh, interesting way to protect your products fascinating so, yeah, sure. So, uh, so we poured here. This is um, this is ten year old. Uh, Michter's is uh, is a brand that's coming on really strong right now. Um, and I just did a 
I had a show in uh, Oklahoma where I did I did a blind a blind flight with um, a bunch of extremely rare stuff, and this bottle took second. And coming in first was Pappy Van Winkle, twenty year old, twenty three year old, and this this beat it's uh, the Michter's twenty. So it's uh, a lot of people. This is a, on a short list for a lot of people for whiskey of the year right now. This ten year old. All bourbon's not from Kentucky, right? That's right. So bourbon can be made anywhere in the United States. Uh, in fact, okay. in our tasting lineup here, we have a Wyoming whiskey, uh, a bourbon there that uh, we'll be tasting. But in 1964, Congress declared bourbon to be a unique product of the United States. Uh, and actually, prior to that, Canada would would make bourbon, and the United States government ended up having it. You know, we ended up having a mini trade war with Canada over them uh, bottling bourbon and bottled and bond because Canada is a blended whiskey country. Incredible blending, blended whiskey. Some of the best whiskey in the world comes from Canada, but they they were trying to like mimic, you know, the US styles and there's a during this time there's a big back and forth between US and Canada. They hated each other in the whiskey circles and there was a for a brief time in the nineteen thirties, there was a trade war over oh. over over bourbon yeah and uh, wow. and they ended up um, you know with congress passing of of that legislation in 1964 you know canada would cease to stop you know using the word bourbon in there but uh when in fact uh crown royal re- a couple of years ago released a bourbon mash and and they ended up getting some cease and desist real quickly but that was just to kind of tap into the popularity uh, of bourbon. It, it, it's very complicated, but the, um, the fact is is that Canada does distill the exact same stuff that is distilled here in terms of a recipe, and, but they can't put bourbon on the label. You know? but, when, oh, wow. but like Canada, like the Canadian distillers are blenders, so they will, they will distill a, what they call a bourbon mash bill, and they would distill like a, a rye whiskey mash bill and a couple other things, and they will combine those together to create their their product. And so, they distill first and then blend. They're incredible blenders. So blending like blending like it, it's legit. Like it's a skill. It's <laughs> it, it it is the most underrated skill in whiskey. And really, and it varies. Okay. It, the appreciation for it varies by country. So in Scotland, there's a great appreciation for blending. Uh, in Canada, it's enormous. In the United States, for a long time, blended blending was considered a dirty word uh, to the point that the distillers would call the actual act of blending barrels, marrying barrels, marriage. Uh, they would use every word but blending because blending was tied to the those old whiskeys in the 30s and late 1800s that knocked uh knocked bourbon off the shelf uh because they were cheaper so that's uh, a little little historic backstory for you there on on i love uh, it the word blending i love yeah i always felt like anything that's blended it's like it's not it's never as good because you're just it's cheaper yeah and so. that's uh you know that's and now that's the uphill battle that uh canadian distillers have is that they branded themselves to be like that and you know, Whistlepig is buying 
is is a high value, uh, highly sought after premium product, and they're purchasing their whiskey and large largely from Alberta distillers, which is obviously in Alberta, Canada, and yeah. that's the best rye whiskey on the market for the most yeah. part. So, and what what the Canadian distillers would do is they would take what they are bottling straight uh, out of the barrel here in the United States. They would take that. And blend it in with something else. So it's a it's a style um, that has its place, but uh, you know, distillers in Canada are incredible. Okay, I feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So did you did you have a chance to taste the? Uh, no, I'm doing it right now. Right now. So when you taste, don't drink it all. Just put a little bit on your palate, kind of feel it around a little bit. You know, see what part of the tongue it's hitting, and um, you know you'll you'll taste the sweet notes on the tip, the savory in the middle, the bitterness like in the back and the middle, and then uh, spiciness in the back. I was gonna say I'm I, I'm getting like some sweet notes on the front, some savory. Okay, <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> what you said. No, it, it's re- it's really um, it's beautiful. It's it's pretty smooth, but it has a little a little bite to it. I'm not I'm definitely not sophisticated in terms of how I describe it, but. Oh, wow. Even the smell of it. I mean, my God. It's beautiful. Mm. It is really nice. This is, uh, this is a, this is becoming like, a uh, a staple in, uh, in, in like high end bars right now is this, uh, this 10 year old. This is actually being requested over, over like 15 year old and, you know, older products. So, uh, bourbon has to go into a new charred oak barrel. So every day it's in that wood, it's, it's like extracting all the color and the, and and the wood sugars. And then they will sell those used barrels to places like Canada and Scotland and Ireland, uh, that age their whiskey and use bourbon barrels. And so this is, you know, they have found the sweet spot with this year's, uh, 10 year old release because it's it's just got the right amount of balance and uh most certainly there's still some nice like hatch chili some pepper uh, it's yeah it's, it's, got, it's got that little bit of pepper like at, at the end is there so what's the deal with the with the color with bourbon is that an indicator at all yeah so the color the color is basic when bourbon goes into the barrel it's as clear as the water from your tap and then it's working in in and out of that wood like every single day, and it is um, it 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 can't have anything added to it. So this is all from the barrel, and so oh, wow. the so the darker it is, the older it is, and or higher the proof. So it it, it is a great indication of of time in the barrel. In fact, we can go to the next one. We can go to the Kentucky Senator. Yeah, that's got some real darkness to it, and, huh? And so that's a that's a fifteen year old. Do you have do you have multiple glasses or just uh, just one? Can you go give another glass? But but it's got to be one of the whiskey glasses. I got my kid on call here to do my dirty work. That's nice. I so my yeah. kids my my seven year old will he'll carry my stuff. So it's it's uh. It's <laughs> He'll be, he'll be like walking through the lick, uh, walking through the liquor, uh, you know, liquor store, bringing me, bringing me something that, uh, um, you know, that I need. And it's, it's funny, like at seven, he knows more about the bourbon industry than you know, <laughs> 99% of the adults in the world. So, Hello. 
I love it. But you can see, like this has this has five years. This has five years on the Mictors, um, and it's and it's got a little bit more proof on it. But if you take a if you take a look, you know you can, you can definitely see a big color difference. So, let's go, bro. I was trying to find it. Thank you. Doesn't so, smell as strong as a mixer to me. Like it doesn't have. Uh, is that correct, or am I missing something? Well, you've got a different glass, so it's going to be the the is glass. Bigger glass. You, you get so your escape. So we're sip. We're we were previously sipping out of the Glen Karen. Yep. And so this is a very concentrated nose, like it's like formulated to to hit your nose exactly. Whereas that one, you've got a lot of headspace, and there's a lot right. of a lot of stuff yeah. moving out. But that okay. doesn't that won't change much on the taste. I mean, it's still gonna taste uh, like it's gonna taste. Did you smell how I now and see if that's as strong as it was before? Wow, that's wow, that's really nice. The difference. What would be the difference? This one might be actually smoother. No, it's uh, it's it's about uh, so it's seventeen. I think it's seventeen proof proof points higher actually. Wow, and so, it's yeah. So smooth is a smooth is kind of a weird objective, you know, subjective term. Which what is smooth for me, someone who's like been drinking whiskey like out of the womb, is going to be different than what's smooth for someone who's just getting into it. But right. often, but often it's like it's 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 a matter of mouthfeel. You know, it's not even it's not even the uh the the burn of the alcohol or anything. It's just like how it feels in the mouth. It's like this one does have a very mouth coating, buttery kind of dripping down. It's, the okay. Jaw, okay. I feel. Buttery. Like for me, if like as a layman here, um, I didn't get as many sensations from this Kentucky as I did from the Mictors. The Mictors had like so much else going on. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many things happening at the same time. This is definitely like, I like the, the way you said buttery, like it's just it coated. It's 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 really nice, but it not as maybe not as peppery for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. It's um, they're both they're both quite something. Now, if you when you are writing when you're writing music, do you ever sip on a little something something to get you some get you some influence? Yeah, I do. Um, I kind of been like over the last ten years like a, a Scotch guy, so. You know, obviously, you know, similar here, but that's that's my thing. Like, I, I I'm definitely I love the idea because I think music creativity takes time. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you could, like with scotch and bourbon and whiskey, I like the idea that you just sip them. You know, I'm right. not sitting there pounding drafts. I'm not I, I'm not really a beer guy to be honest. So um, I love yeah it, it for me it works like hand in hand with music and especially after you know a show. And my trick live is, and it's, I know this is probably like, um, you know, doesn't work for you, but I, I always have a little, um, even like, you know, it's cheap, but like Jameson with a little, like actual Coca-Cola. I'm not a soda mm-hmm. guy, but like the sugar in the Coke and, and a Jameson or, or whatever. Um, it's great for my throat. So you, will you, will you sip a little bit before you, before you start singing? Before I just sip it through the, through the show. Yeah, I literally oh, wow. just have 
like, you know, a couple shots of Jameson and not a lot of Coke, but just enough for the sugar in there. And that's what I sip during the, during the show. And, um, it's, it's amazing. Like it, it you know, look, I'm sure, uh, like a, a vocal, um, you know, professional will tell you any alcohol, it dries your vocal cords out, blah, blah, blah. But I just, I just, it honestly, it gets better through the show as, uh, as I sip it. You know, it's interesting. Like I, everybody's different on, on that. Uh, when I've asked them, uh, some of the people who can hit the highest notes, you know, they're like, yeah, I drink all throughout, but those who have like really like deep voices, like, oh yeah, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't touch anything. So it's very, yeah. it's it's fascinating. It's almost like, um, it, it, it's almost like there's, there hasn't been enough studying around, you know, vocal cords and what actually impacts them. So I, I think that's, it's, it's almost like I study taste, like the history of taste and, and how people are influenced by their genetics and everything. I think it could be very similar to, you know, vocal cords and what, what could, uh, you know, impact him because I have, I have friends. I mean, they're always going horse and they don't drink. And it's like, it's, it makes no sense that you're always going horse. Someone raises their voice just a little bit and they're, they're like horse for a week. So it's, yeah, uh, I'll tell you the biggest, the biggest bullshit out there is that throat coat tea that like I see on everyone's rider and I, I bought in for a minute and tea's terrible for you. Coffee's terrible for you. It, it definitely dries your throat out. And, um, that's why it was actually my wife. So my wife, who's like a really good singer um, and a professional, she she started on the, on like the actual Coca-Cola mm-hmm. years ago. And so I just adapted that because I was like, I'm not a big Coke guy. I get it for the sugar, so let's spice it up a bit. So started throwing, you know, scotch and whiskey in there. And, and I, I don't know, that's, my, that's, that's the throw code right there, <laughs> to say that. That's your jam. It's, it's amazing. I, I literally I played first show back um, a few days ago and that was my go-to right away and I had a great show. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It does feel good to be back out again. You know, we'll, I don't know how long we'll, uh, it'll last or, or if it will be sustained, but um, it does feel good to go back to shows and, you know, see see talent perform, if you will. Yeah, and I think even, like, you know, when you're talking about drinking as well, like, it's such a, a social thing. Like, I didn't, I found myself, my wife and I definitely drank during COVID, probably every day, but, um, like, the, like, opening up, like, a bottle of mixers or whatever, like, that, you don't want to do that by yourself. Right. Stuck in your, your, your basement, you know? That's dark. Well, you know, the, the past year, um, so basically what I do is, you know, my, my performance is sipping whiskey with people. And in, in this past year, like I was always, I had a lot of private tastings virtually, you know, that I do with, you know, through retailers and stuff. And it was, it was amazing. And I just kept, and I just realized I kept seeing all these people drinking more and drinking more and people were, were, were having like zoom happy hour calls. And it would, I mean, it got a lot of people through the, the first year of the pandemic. And, and it was, it was not, it was to me, it was not like people drinking to get through it. It was a, it was the social element, like kind of like you mentioned, like it's you, we crave that. And, you know, this stuff is really, I mean, it's, it's just a conduit to friends and to good times. So, you know, so cheers to you, man. Cheers to you. And 
and Our Lady Peace, man, you all you all are so iconic, so important to the rock, you know, rock movement and um, you know, the nineties. That was that was the music that inspired me in so many ways and and it was my time of high school and college and and you know, Our Lady Peace is one of the few bands from that time that are still going and i know you're the only original member left but i mean what's it what's it like to you know to to look at the old billboard charts and look around and see it's pretty much you all and just a couple others left yeah i i've all you know what's funny i've always fred i appreciate that man thank you for saying that i've always looked at um music kind of like um kind of like a fine wine or a bottle of scotch or whiskey Mm -hmm. in the sense of like there's very few that age really well, you know? And so all my, my thing from the beginning was like, I think about like, let me make a bunch of like, don't ever judge us by a song or one album. It's, it's about a body of work. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when we're looking at like something like a Michter's or that Kentucky Senator, like 15 years, anything that's like 20 or 30 years old, like that's, that's how I see myself. A lot of parallels there. And, and I, this new album, um, you know, I, I don't even think it's a bold thing. I think it's the best album we've ever made for for a bunch of different reasons. Like, it, it the ability to reinvent yourself, the ability to sustain a career, like all those things are. It's hard, man. It's a hard. You know, music's tough. Music's tough, and so yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I'm I'm very happy to be sitting here talking about bourbon and talking about music. Yeah, and and music has changed so much. Like, you know. I hear from musicians all the time, like when they're talking, you know, when, when the mic's off or the camera's off of like, you know, they'll give their opinion about someone. And like, I, I'm a layman. I don't know anything about music. I love listening to music, but I can't tell you a drummer sucks. I can't tell you a guitarist is off or anything like that. I can't tell you any of that stuff. Right. But it, but it's amazing to me what like, you know, and I would, con- I would consider you, you know, like you, you could play in any, in any, um, in any generation, you know, you're that kind of musical talent, but it's always amazing to me that, um, you know, we, we are music tends to be, uh, generational, like, like the music today, no way it's a hit in the nineties or the, right, right. you know, and like, like our lady peace, your music is, it is rather timeless, and not to say it's the exact same, but I think of Hall & Oates in much the same way. Like, their music is, like, hit after hit after hit after hit, and it's very different, but it's timeless as well. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's the same way. You know, there, so there's there's not a lot of timeless music, in my opinion, being made right now. But, um, you know, so the, the status of music um, from an artist's perspective, I can imagine to, to be in your shoes after, you know, all these years to still be you know right there in the thick of it you know gotta feel good gotta feel good yeah yeah definitely like definitely planted a flag in the ground i, th- I think the thing of, about music that maybe parallels uh um alcohol too is like there's just so much of it these days it's hard to know what's good it's hard to know what to listen to it's hard to find music it's hard to mm-hmm. discover because you think it would be easy because we can just get on spotify or apple and listen to anything but you know, it's overwhelming. And I look at like the craft brewery industry. My God, there's so many out there now. Is that, is that happening 
to bourbon and whiskey as well? Um, it, it, it is, but there's quite a bit more capital investment and time for a distillery. Jump in. Some guy yeah. in the, on the weekend can't just jump in. Yeah. The, with, with, with craft beer, well, there's, it's definitely not easy. You know, there's the step of fermentation and there's obviously more than to it than that, but they don't have to distill in like, you know, a batch, batch after batch after batch, you know, they can. They can improve twenty fold in a matter of a year, whereas the distillers may not know uh, where their improvements need to be for a year or two. You know, so right. that's a good point. Yeah, it, unless unless they're making, you know, an unaged product like uh, unaged rum or gin or vodka, you know, things like that, uh, then the, you know the distillers, you know, have to wait. You know. But craft beer is 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 a very very different beast, and um, and by the way, there's a lot of bad craft beer out there. <laughs> yeah, but guy, craft beer is like pop music to me, and I think that makes sense now. You know, they're not really in it for the long game. You just try to put something out there and see if it works, and um, and a lot of it's bad. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like just because you can add hops to something doesn't mean you should. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So now I want to take you to – we're going to jump up in proof. I just want to warn you. This is going to be 118 proof. It's the Elijah Craig barrel proof. Now, I have I have a, uh, a philosophy, Rain, that you, um, you taste differently from day to day. And I imagine it's very similar to singing – you probably have your good days and your bad days. You can always do it, but you definitely have some days. You're man, I nailed it. And some days, oof, I'm, I wasn't all there. Yep. It's, it's the same with tasting. So I have already reviewed this one. I reviewed it pretty negatively for for what it is. So like, so this is a this is a uh, a limited edition release series that I think is the best the best that you can get pretty easily and it this is this is still very good but in comparison to its other its past releases i thought it missed the mark so i sent this i sent this to you to kind of have this conversation about tasting is as much of a, a physical activity as running or singing and all of the things that you do leading up to the day that you taste or the moment you taste will influence um, how you taste in a moment. So this is going to be this is going to be my first time tasting it since my review a couple of months ago. So we'll we'll see if it still holds up to what I what if it still fills on my palate and everything like I said before. <laughs> That's real. So I have a question then. Is mm -hmm. the bite and the peppery, is that all enhanced because of the proof? Um, in, in this case, there's a, yes. Um, you you definitely feel that spice more because of the alcohol proof, but this is, um, this one's got <laughs> like. The, not digging it. So I, I, I stand firm in my belief before. <laughs> That it's got like a woodiness, a bitterness in there that I don't like. A bitterness, yeah, I I feel that. 
but I that that is that is to say too that um, you know I'm also holding it to a standard that I have for this particular release. So with these guys, when you're saying, I found what you said was interesting before. Like, you don't know, like, how, like you, they 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 distill this and, and put it in the barrels and, and hold on to them forever, and it comes out. If it's like that, like you say, they had the same um, yeah. kind of take as you. Like, what do they do? They got to release it, right? Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, the fact is, you could put, you could put a a pile of uh, you know fermenting a dishwater in a bottle and call it uh, bourbon and it would sell right now so you they're not having any problems sell, not selling something just because I say I don't like it in right. fact when I say I don't like something people typically buy it just to say I was wrong but um, you know with this one you know with this one there was like a, all these like social media threads like agreeing and disagreeing with me and it's like people get really People get really uh, passionate about about this stuff, so it's it was kind of funny. But it, it, this is uh, this is one that to me was completely off flavor profile for this particular product, and you know, while good, um, I think it may have been better off in a different bottle, a different brand of theirs. So, gotcha. Hey man, we all miss the mark once in a while, right? That's I, right. I have so I have, I have songs that I'll never play. Like I will never play. Oh, oh, not, not like that you've released. Yeah, that we put on records, and it's like you know, it's 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 one of those things. You sometimes you force stuff, and I, I would imagine maybe, like with these guys behind closed doors, maybe even agree with you and be like, yeah, we missed the mark on this. It's not it's not our best stuff, but we have we got to put it out. Oh yeah, yeah, that that would definitely happen. Or they'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong, you know, or something like that. But it's. uh but not it. Not everything can be a ninety-point score. You know what I right. mean? So yeah. Uh, yeah. So I do. I, I do appreciate, especially the album analogy with the songs, because you gotta you gotta have a couple hits in there, and then you gotta have a bunch of filler, right? Well, yeah. There's just always gonna be some misses. And look, when I go back to like thinking about this new album that's coming out, Spiritual Machines Two, there is no filler. There's no misses. Like I listened to this record for the first time. My kid's a, a basketball player. And we were in um, Alabama. So I flew to Atlanta and I rented a car and I drove to Birmingham. It's like a couple hours. And I put on the record for the first time to like listen to it all the way through. And I was like smiling the whole way. First time, there's not a note, there's not something about the record that I would go back and change, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Do, do, you, have any, do you have any songs that, you know, you're like, oh, I got to play this again? Ugh. Yeah, it's funny. Like we and I and a lot of bands that we had a hit called "Somewhere Out There." Mm-hmm. Might might actually be our biggest hit. And it's not that I don't like it, but it's the stuff that was around it, the way it was released, the label, um, just the way it was perceived. It was like, yeah, it wasn't. It, it's not my favorite. It's bad, probably, if we don't play. It. And I would never do that to fans. I think that's pretty selfish. You know, like they pay money to see us play and that was one of the songs that they come to hear so I, I, there's we usually play it most nights we didn't play actually play tr- a show in toronto on saturday and we and i pulled it right at the end um of the set but you know it happens it's part of, it's part of the journey well you 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 know you have a lot of songs that you all have done so i'm sure your fans were 
they got a healthy healthy feeding of Our Lady Peace, and they didn't leave unsatisfied. So uh, yeah, I didn't see one hate text or or email or a post or something. So I'm good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, so now let's go to the Wyoming whiskey. Now uh, this is um, this is a a bourbon that was made in the state of Wyoming, and the money go from this bottle, which this is a two hundred and fifty dollar bottle, I believe. I think that's right. Is the SRP on it? Is, is going to uh, the National Parks Foundation. Well, just like in general, like all the parks across America. Yeah, so there's uh there's like a foundation um that that helps maintain it cuz our our federal government doesn't always do the best job of making sure it's taken care of. I mean, there's all kinds of stories of like rangers working for free, um, you know, getting cut, like getting furloughed and they're still working, you know, to maintain the parks. But, you know, the national parks I think is one of our country's greatest assets and um, sometimes they get bring brought up in political discussions to have budgets cut and, and this foundation kind of, kind of helps keep it going. I love it. Now the, one of the things that you learn in wine is about terroir and you know, for a long time, uh, American whiskey has known uh, two States. Um, and that's Tennessee and Kentucky. Right. And, and if sometimes Indiana, sometimes, you know, Indiana's got a couple distilleries that was really well known for a long time. And now they're getting back into the, uh, limelight. But what we're seeing now is that there's a lot of new distilleries coming online, not at the same pace as like craft beer, you know, which we talked about, but we're seeing a distillery in Wyoming, a few in Texas, uh, New York, Oregon, state of Washington, all these places are having a big influence. And we're starting to see a, a little sign of terroir. And terroir in, like, France is, like, the weather, um, the geographical placement, whether it's by mountains or by a river, all of it having special microclimate impact on the grapes, and that goes into it. We're starting to see that with uh, with whiskey and American whiskey, which we've never had really before, you know, with water, uh, elevation, uh, types of woods that they're able to procure for their barrels. And this is a really great example of a bourbon that you would never taste coming from Kentucky. I, I actually really like this. Yeah, it's pretty Yeah, limited. it has a really nice finish. The thing about water, for real, like that is so real. There's a... Um... I mean, this is an offside thing, but there's a pizza place here in L.A. called Demore's, and they bring the water in from Boston. Mm-hmm. Tastes like nothing in this city. It's my favorite pizza by far, and that's why for sure. Hmm, that sounds uh, that sounds awesome. So, do, how do they do? They ship it in by like a tanker, or yep. like yeah. I, I was yeah, I was living in Malibu when we first moved to L.A. from Toronto, and. Um, for whatever reason, this was one of the first pizza places we tried. And I was like, damn, this is really, this feels like East Coast pizza. And for 10 years, I never asked or said a word to them. And then finally, we were sitting, and the owner was in one of the, there's a bunch of them now, but mm-hmm. the, the OG one in Malibu. And I was just I was like, man, like, you're obviously from the East Coast. Like, they had all the pictures on the walls from them being in Boston. And, uh, but I said, how do you, like, what, how does this pizza taste like that? He's like, oh, it's all, it's the water. We ship it in. 
that's that's the main reason so i i for sure would think that would work with with bourbon too yeah uh although like you know there are some states they're starting they're putting they put restrictions on water like uh nevada uh there's a brand there called smoke wagon and he's essentially not allowed to distill because of the amount of water it would take and you know they're at a water deficit at all times and you know texas is probably not far behind that whereas kentucky i mean we have an aquifer that's enormous you know you just right. Tap, tap right into that man boom you know got good water right there limestone filtered and everything so it's um you know you see what's happening in california with uh, uh with the wildfires all the time it's just uh i think you know i think at some point in the next decade we're probably going to have to in the distilling community there's going to have to be some very difficult questions answered about the use of water because of so many water shortages across the country. But I, I, can you tell me, like, I, I, I don't know the process as well, obviously. Why does it take so much water to distill? So, you know, you have to, you ferment. You, so you ferment the, uh, the grains. Uh, then, you, then you distill it. And for, like, a, a large a large amount of, I, I can't give you the exact amount, you know, the exact amount, but for, for something like this, if it, say this is filled, filled up to the brim, you know, that would probably equate to uh, a drop of spirit. Uh, so it takes a lot of water to distill. And when you, when you, um, you're basically, you're the, when the grains enter the enter the water, they cook them, so they convert to starches, uh, to sugars, and then they add yeast, and the yeast feeds on the sugars. And at this point, the yeast basically, you know, eats sugar and pisses out alcohol. So at this point, it's alcohol. It's no longer uh, water or anything like that. Then they will take, they will take that fermentation, and they will distill it. At, at certain degrees, you know, and it will, it will separate, it'll separate the alcohol uh, from the solids, and it will basically, you know, drip out as a spirit. They will get a large amount of it, of that spirit, and then put it in a barrel, and at that point, it's evaporating, so there's a lot of water lost, you know, through the entire process, uh, through yeah. evaporation, through cooking, um, through distillation. So that's, um, that's just part of it. Right. It's like almonds. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Right. Not supposed to eat almonds cause it just takes too much water. Yeah. And yeah, almonds are like, um, you know, there was a, there's a bit, a few documentaries about that, like how, how aggressive they are about getting water rights from other areas. Whew. Yeah. Scary man. New world. So you you've always been like a socially conscious and active you know person. Is there anything you know you're really you know passionate about right now that you're uh, you know that you're out there voicing your opinion for? And you know I don't want to get too heavy in it, but um, I saw what was I saw Peter Gabriel when I was first coming up talked about like Greenpeace and Amnesty and kind of just got me into like, okay, artists can be, they can wear two hats, right? They can, mm-hmm. they, they can be artists, which I appreciate and I am, but then 
you know, depending on what you sing about, you can bring in other people and, and have some influence there. And so we joined this, this organization early on called Warchild, my wife and I, based out of Canada. And um, there was a chapter in, in the UK, in the Netherlands, in Canada. And um, started traveling early on. And I really accredit like Warchild and the founders who are like, like legit, like the godparents of our kids now. Um, and they're doctors and um, just incredible people. I don't, they're not, you know, I don't use the word virtuous often, but they are truly virtuous. And then we just got to travel. So, you know, we're in Iraq, we're in Afghanistan, you know, we've been to Sudan. And their whole thing is about just protecting uh, war-affected children. So to see what's going on in Afghanistan right now is pretty heavy. Just just knowing that they Warchild has two programs there that'll probably be shut down, if not already shut down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just you know it's like the world never stops, man. We just went the globally went through like whatever year and a half of hell with COVID, trying to come out of that, and you know seeing these fires start, you know literally and figuratively in these other countries now. It's just rough. Yeah. And. And, you know, I was a, I was a soldier in Iraq and we, you know, we, I worked with a lot of kids there. And one of the things that, that, that we did is we set up a clinic um, for uh, for kids and, you know, just, you know, people who have never been outside of the United States and to some of these countries. It's difficult to understand until you see it uh, for yourself. Yeah. Pictures do not do a child's uh, inability to breathe because his mouth is swelling from some type of, uh, bite, you know, that won't be cured, uh, with normal medicine. It's just, you, you can't fathom it. So I, I applaud you, man. And yeah, this, what's happening with Afghanistan, it's hitting us all in the hearts. So I applaud you for, for your support with war child. Really yeah. Do. Thanks. Well, I mean, yeah. Thank you for, for your service. I, it's funny when you, we know so many, you know, vets and soldiers and, like you said, they just have, you have to travel. Like, I think traveling is so key. Um, just to, you know, ex literally expanding your mind. Like it sounds cliche, but that's the only way to do it because seeing shit on your phone is one thing, but like you said, getting there, looking, looking a kid in the eye or someone in the eye or someone, when we first landed in Iraq, I was like, we were scared. We were the first, first people back after, um, between the, the two wars and it was like but people invited us in for tea i was like what's happening you know like, yeah. we're all humans you know under the surface and there's bad people everywhere but there's a lot of good people too right all right so you got it so i very rarely get to have this kind of a conversation with somebody you were invited into an iraqi's home to drink tea how much sugar did they put in the tea? Isn't that wild? It, it, it kind of ruined me. It's literally like, oh, you're right. It's half a cup of sugar yeah. and some tea. And it's delicious. It's crazy. You're in, you know, it, it's hot outside. And you're like, this is amazing. And it's, it's like candy. Like, that's all you do is you just drink tea. And I, I and I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of psyched for getting into this. Going there, I was like, oh, damn. I bought like a suitcase of Cliff Bars and, and just like, <laughs> You know, ramen soup. I was like, because I don't know what you know what they eat over there, but the food, like their their bread and the chick, the roasted chicken, was like the best ever, man. Oh my and the gosh. tea, I was like, I was set. I think I gained weight when I went to Iraq. Yeah, that that food, like we had incredible chefs cooking for us. It'd be lamb, chicken. It would be all so much amazing food there, and the spices 
like I'd never heard or seen any of those spices since. And, I know. I tell the story always because we, so we, we got in on a UN plane, like we were lucky to get in on a UN plane and then we couldn't get one out. So we drove in, you know, a taxi from Baghdad to Amman, Jordan, which was like, I don't know, 18 hours, something yeah. as hell. But, and when we finally made it to Amman, like right on the streets, I bought a falafel for 25 cents. I've been like, and this was back in whatever, 2000. I was, I've been trying to find falafel that tastes like that ever since. And I can't <laughs> do it. The, the search for the great Iraqi falafel. It's, That's it, man. It's it. You know, we got a couple uh, uh, falafel houses here in, in Louisville that are pretty strong. The um, uh, Saddam's former chef ended up uh, being a refugee here. And he, he opened a place and he trained a bunch of uh, Iraqi chefs that, uh, you know, that have s since populated our market. And, and then in Nashville, there's a lot of uh, Kurdish refugees. And you'll, you'll find a little falafel house here and there. But, oh, wow. I literally, honest to God, honest to God, Fred, like no word of a lie. Every time I eat a falafel, I compare it to that one I got on the street. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love that story. Well, we got one, one more whiskey, uh, the 291. Now, this is where, out of respect for you and, and, the, and the day you have to come, I just want to make sure you're good to go here because this will be whiskey number, whiskey number five. You good? We're... Oh, I'm better than good. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So this is uh, made in Colorado, and it's finished. So by finish, I mean they put uh, additional – they have an additional process to it. They finish it in um, uh, with Aspen staves. So like get, they get little pieces of Aspen from uh, the tree – and they put it in the barrel, so it'll be a completely, completely different. Uh, uh, I, I didn't profile. didn't read the whole label, like you're talking about the 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 stays, but I see, like I smell something really sweet, and I see maple syrup barrels. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's the one. That's M. That's M. The one finished in maple syrup. Yeah. Right on. Oh wow, very different though. Something like really smoky in this one. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that you know, they're they're young using smaller barrels and but it's not but it's not like bad, you know, it's just kind of their it's like it's, dirty. Gonna get dirty on me here, Rain. All right, <laughs> I like dirty. it. I like it. <laughs> But it's definitely the the smoke in in two ninety one is always uh, you know prominent earthy yeah earthy you know kind of um, it's very 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 different like it's it's one where I I always I always finish with this one because if we started with it your palate may not recover because it's so different right. yeah 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 I feel that yeah I like it. Right on, man. Oh, so what was your favorite of the tastings so far? Well, it's all we went through the entire thing. So, do you have a I, favorite? Yeah, I think it was the. Um, I, and I don't want to be like it. Was it the? Sorry, I'm missing one of the bottles. Okay, hopefully my kid didn't run out with that. Uh oh. Yeah. Right. 
don't know who it is. Yeah, I think it was the the Kentucky senator. And I don't want to be because it was 15 years old, but between that and the Mictors, but I, it's tough to tell. Like I did, I guess your your palate probably numbs a bit as you go through these, right? You you either adapt or you get numbed. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's that tends to be the the way to go. Like you're either um, you're either getting better or you're like uh, about to you know you won't be able to taste dinner. It depends on what what level right. you are. Yeah, I, I definitely I like I like the senator. It it, it it had some of the same like um, I don't know complexities of the mixers, but a little bit smoother maybe. Well, what, I think I think that's a do, good choice. What do I? What do I know? That's a good choice. I'll, I'll keep drinking. I'll let, I'll let you know if it changes. That's the you know yeah. So definitely taste it tomorrow, and right. see you know you know go through it again or maybe the next day and see if. Uh, you know, see see where where it is, where it kind of fits. So, love it, man. What a what a treat. This has been my my favorite podcast ever. <laughs> all right, <laughs> on, man. Thank you for, because we're drinking, but good conversation and thank you for sending all this stuff. Uh, this ab- is, uh, absolutely. Look, I love I love doing this, but more importantly, it's about like, uh, you know, it's about making new friends and you know, bringing people into to bourbon, educating people about the good stuff and. You know, I just got to say, I, I can't wait to see you on stage again sometime soon. And, you know, really appreciate you making the time, brother. Oh, I thank you, man. And and definitely when we come into town, we'll hang. Our our lighting technician, um, he's a rock star. When he heard I was I was coming on, you know, on the Friend Minic podcast, he was, oh, dude, listen to everyone. He's a bourbon. Not, he's not obviously an expert like you, but he is. he's in it, man. He's going to love it. I'm legit going to bring this stuff on the road. I'm going to save some for him and we'll do it. We'll do it live. Right on. Well, if you run out, I'll, uh, I'll send you some more. So I've got, I've got a few bottles. Yeah. It looks like it. looks like it. <laughs> Thanks well, so much. Bro. Absolutely. Cheers, man. Yeah. Cheers to you, dude. Be safe. Big shout out. And thanks to rain Maida for joining me, uh, virtually, you know, to sip some bourbon. What a great interview he was. And, you know, I didn't fanboy out too much, but you know, I did let him know I was a fan, and I, I typically hold that a little closer to the vest. But he was so so great and so fun to talk to. And how about that story about Iraq? I mean, anybody who's been there, you've uh, you know, you got tea from um, a local Iraqi. You know how much sugar they put in there. It's like it's not even tea. It's it's just pure sugar, and it's so so cool i can't tell you how much i love that story but that's going to do it for uh this week folks a lot of good guests coming up make sure you click that subscribe button however you get your podcast so if you're on apple make sure you click and subscribe and give us a review while you're at it we're just north of 100 reviews on apple Podcasts, and if you can help us get to 200 boy that'd sure be great i'd really appreciate it and once again If you don't have a sticker, hit us up on fredminnick.com, and we'll send you a sticker. That's going to do it, folks. Be safe out there. No licking handrails, no licking trash cans. Remember, vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers, everybody. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by Michter's American Whiskeys and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. For more information on Fred's books, articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com.